Welcome to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One Consulting. This is your go-to podcast on optimizing your day. The Win the 16 podcast features discussions on leadership and coaching, personal and professional development, as well as discussions on the modern work culture and engaging employees in hybrid and remote work environments. Your hosts are Dave Pygon, president of Pygon One Consulting, and his brother, Dr. Bud Pygon, anesthesiologist at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Win the 16 podcast. Thank you all for listening. As always, thank you to Carrie and the production team. We appreciate you. Today, my co-host and brother, Dr. Bud Pagan is with us. Bud, how you doing today? What's happening? Oh, Dave, you know, I, I, I don't think I could be any better. You are consistent, my brother. You are a rock. So uh, glad, glad we could jump on today's topic. And first, before we jump in, as always, if anyone would like to contact and reach out to us and share anything, ask us questions or comment, please reach out to pygon1.com. We'd love to hear from you. That's P-Y-G-O-N-O-N-E.com. We'd love to hear from you. So thanks. But today's topic, we thought we'd dive into this. This is becoming more and more, I don't want to say popularized in the market, but there's more and more literature and data and information come out there. And that is, what is charisma? Why is it important? And then that balancing act of not overusing it. So we're going to talk about that today. And then at the very end, uh, I think this one's going to be a fun one for us. You and I have been talking about that alter ego effect. And we were both Batman guys and still are coming up. And uh, there's that old Batman effect with the alter ego that we're going to discuss that might bring some value to people. Uh, that might be a little different perspective. So why don't we just jump right into our charisma topic today, bud? And do you want to define that for us? You are the definition, man. Oh, love to. So, you know, it, the word charisma comes from the Greek charis, which means a grace or gift. Uh, charisma is defined usually as a, someone with compelling attractiveness or charm. Um, it often, you know, is referred to as sort of divine, divinely conferred power or talent. So this is a little bit different than, you know, a lot of the growth mindset stuff we talked about um, where these are skills and all that. But charisma is also a skill. Um, its true meaning is your ability to attract attention and the admiration of others. So you can see why that's an incredibly powerful trait, skill to have as a leader. Um, you know, charisma is something that uh, many leaders have. Uh, and so that's what we're going to kind of dig into today. It, but I want to start off, we're going to share tips, ideas, and traits of people that exhibit charisma. Before we start jumping into sharing that so people can start thinking of, maybe I can add that to my uh, tool belt as I'm communicating with others, whether I'm a leader, an employee, a parent, a coach, and that is this. You don't have to be all the things we're gonna list today to be charismatic. I think some people are gonna put their thinking now, well, when I think of char charisma, charismatic people, I think of these really happy and smiley, and that is definitely part of it, but I think of you as very charismatic, and I wouldn't put you as that guy like Jimmy Fallon, the comedian who walks around just 
oozing of just smiling from ear to ear all the time. Charisma is different for all of us. What we're going to do today, no matter where you're at in your life, everybody listening and who you are, we're hoping you hear some things today and you're like, yeah, that's me. And then hopefully our goal is you hear some other things of that's interesting. Maybe I can add that to who I am to help me because we are going to touch at the end. You can't be too charismatic and that's not a necessarily attractive quality to people as well. It's like anything, but right. You can be too much of something and that's not necessarily attractive. Anything else you want to comment on that one, bud, before we jump right in? Interesting, as you look back on many of the things we've talked about over the past, you know, 10, 12 months, um, we haven't talked that much about being yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, no leader is everything to everyone. It's just it, none of us are that none of us are. I mean, there's just no one who's been born with every God given, wonderfully skilled trait that require, you know, that makes you the perfect human being. And so you kind of touch on that here with. You've got a list here of charismatic traits, and you. the key, I think, is to really being yourself. That's true for any of the leadership things that we've talked about uh, and, and focusing on your strengths. Um, and, and again, we maybe haven't spent enough time on that, that sort of being comfortable and natural in your own skin and being yourself and that balance, that sort of paradox with also challenging and pushing yourself and growing and building. But this charismatic list will kind of get into some of that because yeah nobody's all of these things and you don't need to be to be charismatic and and when we close with some of the negatives about being too charismatic and how it can weaken your position of leadership it kind of gets into that if you try too hard to be some of these things that you're not you lose that authenticity and that will diminish uh, and maybe even destroy your ability to lead people because people see right through that, right? They've got great BS detectors. Yes, absolutely. And I believe, again, the hope is people pick up one or two things that they can add to this. And again, like everything in Win the 16 and most of our podcasts, this is a skill and we can have, we can choose to have a growth mindset and get better at that. And we're going to bring up our typical people that we always bring up, Carol Dweck with Growth Mindset. That's, you know, we live and really breathe with her concepts, you and I. But you're going to hear Brene Brown today. You're going to hear uh, Adam Grant, another person that you and I read his books and listen to his podcast and respect their views. So let's jump right in. The first one, the first tip strategy I did to think about to be a charismatic person is assertiveness. Being confident in your ideas, opinions, now, without being too aggressive, overbearing, and I'll even go a step further, being narcissistic on this. Uh, charismatic people, though, do carry an assertiveness and a confidence behind what they're articulating and communicating. Two, body language. That's that hand gestures, smiling, eye contact keeping people's attention if we're talking to them. And virtual has added another challenge to all of us, looking in the camera, right? It sounds simple, but we all had to learn how to get good at that with COVID and all of us, many of us 
watch YouTube videos, read, how do we do that? Because that is a skill trying to connect with people virtually versus in person and smiling. Some people, it's not natural for them to smile, but it can be very charismatic if we do smile and add that in. Now, getting back to our Marvel characters, I, I don't think if we're in a serious conversation, we want to be like the Joker in Batman smiling ear to ear that looks a little bit non-authentic and strange and weird but it is something to think about any comment on the first two so far but well yeah i think <clears throat> the confident one is huge and there's a fine line between confident and like you said cocky um um or narcissistic uh you know a lot of the leadership things obviously with football season coming up i've been listening to <clears throat> talking about, um, you know, these football coaches and, you know, how they never, uh, the one guy always talks about this. They've never, they never erect a statue to a committee. <clears throat> and that's one of his knocks on the NFL now that it's gone to, there isn't really head coaches anymore. There's sort of leading by committee, right? So you've got a guy who runs the offense, a guy who runs the defense, a guy who runs the special teams, and they often function outside of each other so that they aren't integrated and can be coming up with game plans to accentuate what each of them are doing. Meaning like, you know, if your defense is a little bit weak, you want to keep them off the field, right? So you maybe you run the ball a little more, maybe you go slower, you, you know, you go slow down, even if that's not in your offense's best interest or, and vice versa. And, you know, so it's that type of having someone at the head of the table who's confident, takes the opinions of others, but at the end of the day, I make this decision. The buck stops with me. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a, and then obviously we all know coaches that, you know, and people, leaders who venture across that line. And so that can be a problem. So that's one of the challenges. And I think we talk a little bit about that when we get to the end about the overconfident uh, or the charismatic. The body language is huge. People perform in front of televisions know this, right? The way your eyes move and how you look. Um, they talked about that in 19 that ninth the 1960s the first televised debates between kennedy and nixon um and one of the huge advantages kennedy had is he was so comfortable charismatic and in front of the tv you know when nixon was so uncomfortable shifty eyes kind of a little bit hunched over started sweating profusely you know and he just looked so miserable so people couldn't get past that so it the the content of what they were saying and their opinions mattered less than how they appeared. Um, and, and while you don't like that on some level, it's the reality. And so someone who walks into a room and kind of captures the room by the way they manage the room, and we're not talking the beautiful people, like this isn't about looks, although that can be important too, and is easier for someone who's just natively more attractive than others, but it is just how you sort of carry yourself. Someone who walks in sort of the Eeyore with the humped up shoulders and the head down and, oh, I don't know, and, you know, isn't doesn't have the same. And those are things you can really work on. And they've even talked about that. And I think we've mentioned it before. Simple things like sitting up, looking people in the eye when you shake hands, right, a nice firm handshake, you know, and presenting yourself in a way that I view and value myself and view and value you to give you the respect to look at you and stare at you and to be present and then to expect the same in return is huge. Um, and it really goes into a lot of the stuff that those are the kind of things that good leaders do. 
Absolutely. I totally agree. Emotional intelligence is another one. Handling one owns emotion and being able to observe other people's emotions, picking up on those things and understanding so then you can customize your approach. Communicating with the other person is very charismatic. The person who's a recipient on the other end of that. Another one reciprocating and I want you to comment on this because you made a comment to me a couple of weeks ago on this concept and that is giving and reciprocating appreciation to others it makes total common sense right showing an appreciation for other people thanking right the, as mom taught us growing up and grandma and grandpa thank you is still an attractive quality and charismatic and being authentic with it a lot of people nowadays say thank you, but they're not even looking at you. It comes across as very generic. The comment you remember, Bud, and I don't dig deep now because it was about three weeks ago. We were talking about this, and you had mentioned to me, you said, you know what? This people have overdone it a little bit. People say, I appreciate you. And it's kind of not genuine, not authentic. And I said, well, you know, but a lot of times when I say that to people, I really am appreciative. You were, you came back and you said, Dave, sometimes I'm getting it all the time now where it's complete BS and it's not that genuine. Do you want to comment on that yeah, one? Sure. The watch sure. out? Yeah, sure. It's interesting. Um, uh, my wife likes a lot of these type of topics too. And we were listening to something and, and it, what it is, it's sort of in, in many ways, it's over solicitous and it seems uh, almost like it's the de rigueur of the day. Say, hey, I appreciate you. Like all I did was, you know, general kindness, right, or politeness, right. I opened the door for someone and let and let them walk through, right. And they're like, oh man, I really appreciate you. You're the, you know, and it's like it's almost like, uh, it's and it's it's an exaggerated. It feels to me a re, an exaggerated response to the gesture uh one of the examples in the things is um you know a food server right you're at a restaurant and you know whatever and they bring you your food and that's their job right and not to be not appreciative or thank them you know thank you but you see people sometimes now overdo it in the sense that you know that you act like they made some lifelong sacrifice to you while they were doing but in reality they were just doing their job that they're doing to all the other tables and a simple thank you seems more appropriate than some of the over solicitous responses you get and and I, I i understand where you're coming from i just have felt more recently because i get that from a lot of my residents who are in their 20s now you know i'm kind of doing my job and it's very nice that they're appreciative of the things they do but some of it is for the things I'm doing are over the top, uh, feel over solicitous, almost like that's what people are supposed to say now. It's a, it's, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, I really appreciate you. I, I'm sure they do, um, but for what I did, a simple thank you would have been enough, you know. So that's more what I was talking about. It, it, <clears throat> I, I'm not telling people what to do or not to do on this one. I just wanted to bring it up because I thought your perspective was interesting. It got me thinking, you know what it really forced me to do, bud, when you said that it made me, if I'm going to say that to lock in my eyes in my facial contact and eye contact with them better 
so it's truly authentic. Uh, because I do get sometimes where people say thank you to me, and they're not even looking at me. So that's where that whole body language is. Saying thank you to someone and not looking at them, I almost think it's a waste of time. That's all. Here's another word that people use too much that takes away the authenticity of a quality or potential conversation with somebody. Crazy. I, it's raining hard out today. Oh, it's crazy outside. Yeah, that that's a that's another example of um well, it's not over solicitous, but yeah, yeah, I I know what you're saying. Like what do you, what do you mean crazy? Like it's raining? Okay. It's raining hard out. Correct. To me, the, when I think of crazy, I think of Jack Nicholson in the movie Shining. Right. He was or, a psychopath. He was crazy. The Joker in Batman. That's a psychopath. He was crazy. But right. now that word is just being overused. And I always share that with people that, uh, I forgot what, I think it was Jerry Maguire who was a little kid said, words matter. Oh, for sure. And I believe when we start using words such as crazy, when it it's really misused, that doesn't help our ability to communicate with people, not only from a charismatic standpoint, but from an intelligence standpoint, that's not helping us in our communication journey and expedition with people. That's all I was saying. Yeah, you know, and it's funny. This is a this is sort of a pet peeve for me um, because I do believe words really do matter. And in medicine, we often speak like that, where we speak in code or we speak with words, and at the end of the day, you don't know what the doctor said. Um, and and I know because I sort of know the code a little bit sometimes, but other times I even have to ask consultants like, OK, so what do you mean? Like, I, I think I know what you mean, but the way you phrased it, and the words you've chosen and used allow a lot of um, interpretation or ambiguity. And I need you to be clear and you need to communicate clear. I also find people especially leaders, but people in general who talk like that, like you say, oh, it's crazy out. Like, really? Like, this is crazy to you? Like, I lose a little, you lose a little bit of credibility in my mind because I don't know what your scale is anymore. So like, if this is crazy, which just seems not crazy, you know, it's raining hard. It does rain hard. That's not crazy. Like, so what's like, you know, like if this is crazy to you, I'm like, wow, what would happen if we really had a, a bad storm? Like, would it be beyond your ability to manage? I mean, that's kind of where my mind goes. Um, and so as a leader, you know, you can't you don't want people thinking of you in terms like that, where your credibility and your authenticity is undermined. Um, so I think words do matter and they are important. And that's the kind of talk, too. It's almost like in today's age, and that's sort of, I think, gets back to that appreciate you. It's almost like we have to go to this ninth degree of, oh, it's crazy out. Like everything's at a whole hyper level when it's really not. And I just don't think that's healthy. And I do think it's undermining, but you see it, you see it commonly all the time. Yes. Um, I completely agree with you uh, on that. So the point is it just words matter. And they can either elevate our communication, make us more charismatic, or they can do the opposite with us. So a couple other things here on the 
tips and ideas to be charismatic. Empathy, which I know that's an opportunity for you and I. We that's that is yeah. not a skill that's natural to the Pygons. Mom, it's not natural. You and I, it's not natural. Susan and Joanne, our wives, would say that's not natural for us. So it's a work in progress. But being empathetic is very charismatic. Humble is a very charismatic trait and strategy when we're talking with people, being very humble. Sense of humor. People are attracted to people with a good sense of humor. Now, that I would say of would be one of the ones that if people aren't do not have a great sense of humor, I would definitely say that's probably a tougher one to work on. I think smiling is a little bit easier, but sense of humor, I would say that almost is built in a little bit to who you are. So when I was doing research on this, that was the one that I said, you know, I could see where people listening would say, how do I do that? That's not necessarily who I am. I would say when I was doing research and reading on this, that's just being open-minded, being maybe a little bit more flexible, smiling a little bit more can help you because you are who you are and a little bit in that one. So I don't want to say that's a totally fixed mindset approach, bud, to sense of humor, but that's harder. No, you want to comment on that? For sure. Yeah. I think a couple of comments on that. Um, I think when you're talking about having a sense of humor, it's um, the sense that not everything is life and death. And, you know, like the, to go back to your reference with it's raining out, it's so crazy. Like, well, you know, yeah, I got wet. Right. And having a little bit of a sense of humor about the fact that maybe I'm not as pulled together in a neat appearance today because I forgot my umbrella and I came to this meeting and it was raining so hard that I got very, very wet. And, mm. and a sense of humor about I don't look perfect today. Um, you know, my hair isn't, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm balding. So when my hair gets wet, it really looks balding. And so, you know, having a sense of humor about, OK, this isn't my best look, but, you know, this is what happened. and We're going to move forward. That, I think, is what it's referring oh. to. That, that, I think, is a skill you can develop and step back. Some of that comes in with confidence. If you're secure in who you are and confident in who you are. Um, that is easier when you're talking about sense of humor. I, you know, I don't ever try to build in jokes into any of my lectures or talks because I just don't think I'm like a comedian and that funny. And man, that is it is something that's hard to do if it flows naturally and comes out and, it, and people chuckle. That's great. But building in and I do know people who try to do that or writing a jokes and, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it falls flat and it's like, oh. Uh, Seinfeld has a great thing. I, I watched him talk about it once. It's like um, they asked him uh, if he would teach a class at NYU about how to be a comedian. And his reply is, if you need to take a class on how to be a comedian, you'll never be a comedian. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes, right? that's a good one. I, I love what you said, too. I think the other thing, too, with public speaking and sense of humor, uh, I always I always talk about at weddings. When people give speeches, when they try to go down that funny route, right? Yeah, I, I go, oh boy, and I start yeah. to cringe a little bit. Yeah, uh, totally. It, it's it's just careful. Some people can pull it off. No Some doubt. people can't. All I would say is in this realm is you need to know who you are if you're going to give a speech. I would definitely serve it up to 
multiple different types of people and get their feedback on it. Right. Because it, they they might not find it humorous and it might really hurt you. So let's move on. Um, listening skills. Very oh, charismatic. A great listener is amazing. Uh, that I, is so likable. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I love this one too because if you asked, I think, and certainly if you ask me, let's I'll stick with me because that if you ask me, give me a list of charismatic people. I'm not sure I drop listening skills or empathy or humility on that list, right? So I I hope this gives people a sense of of charisma in in as a skill that attracts and draws people to you because there is no doubt that charisma uh, or listening skills and empathy and humility are very attractive qualities and help you attract people to you so that you can be a leader. Uh, but thanks for jumping in on that point. I want to touch on this, uh, on the listening skills piece of it. And with Pygon One Consulting now, I do a ton of networking. I go to a lot of these events. There's 10 people. There's 100 people. Uh, I, I'm talking to a lot of people, business owners, presidents, just tons of people all the time. And it's interesting what I've learned, and I'm I'm still in the growth mindset. I'm still improving on it. But it's interesting. I always ask people to tell their story first. People are like, Dave, I want to learn about you. Tell me about your company. I said, oh, great. I appreciate you asking. I said, you know what? I'd love to learn about you. And I find, for me, getting them go to go first and talk for 5, 10, 15 minutes on their company and their organization and what they do, I find they're even more attentive to me when I go because I've earned, I don't want to say the right for their time to listen to me because I believe they're like, oh, wow, this person wants me to talk first. That's unique. That's different. Right. So that's that listening piece. The other thing is, here's where I'm really trying to get better at it and I'm still failing and I'm not failing might be a little strong. But when I looked up active listener recently, uh, I had a client that I'm working with doing a one-on-one executive coach coaching, and they wanted to dive into this listening piece, thought there was an opportunity for them. And active listening is this. It's when people, when you're talking to me, bud, I don't finish your sentence. I let you go all the way through. I've gotten better at that. Where I'm still a work in progress is this piece of it. Active listening, bud, is when you're talking to me, I am just listening. I am not thinking about what I'm going to say next or ask next. And I'm not there yet. I'm, I sometimes pop in my brain as you're talking or I'm talking to other people. I start to process and think like, oh, I want to ask this next. Or instead of just staying open-minded. So it's an area for me I'm still working on. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is certainly if I could improve one thing that I think would help me most in my leadership, it would be this, uh, because I, I, especially when I get engaged with someone, if I'm engaged in the conversation, for me, engagement is thinking. And so when you're saying things that are engaging, it is driving me to think. 
and so I, it is so hard for me to turn off that think mode. Uh, and, and so I, you know, so I right away get out of sort of that active listening because what you're saying is so engaging, it's causing me to think. And then my mind is racing with thoughts, which I enjoy. So I'm engaged with you. And so I really like listening to you, but it's not the active thinking that people need. And so then it leads me to, <clears throat> to finish sentences, <clears throat> excuse me, or to think where you're going next. And as opposed to just taking a deep breath and being present for you in the listening mode. Oh, very yeah. hard. Very, uh, very no, hard. Absolutely. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I know we're talking about charisma, but listening skills, very charismatic. And if I asked people, name people in their life that are great listeners, they could name them. They could name them. Mm -hmm. So we'll move on to, um, I said I was going to mention Brene Brown today. And uh, here's here's one of the things that she is she talks about all the time vulnerability people that embrace vulnerability and show vulnerability doesn't matter if it's a peer a friend as a leader when you're vulnerable to people it's very charismatic uh, letting your guard down sharing that is very charismatic to people and Brene Brown is something we've talked on the podcast uh, she's a leading expert on that concept. You know, we've read her book, Dear to Lead, and others that she's published. And for all of us out there, leaders especially, if you're not vulnerable with your people that you're leading, it might be something you consider trying because it can make you very charismatic and an ability to go that next step with connecting with people, that vulnerability piece. Right. Yeah, I think, you know, her brilliance is, and in, in, I know this was really set me when I listened to her because I've seen her TED Talks and then read her book, is how she ties that vulnerability into courage and courageousness. Because everybody sort of knows, oh, that, you know, we want courage and courageousness. And we had a, a nice podcast on that. But how she ties that into is to, if you're truly courageous, you're, you're able to be vulnerable. Um, and so she does a brilliant job of tying how important those, how similar and uh, those qualities are and how important they are. And, and I, she's dead on. And let's move full circle to the, to the first strategy or tip that we communicated today. Assertiveness, being confident. When you're confident, I believe it helps you be vulnerable because you're confident in and of yourself and you're more likely to be vulnerable. The people that I potentially talk to when I bring this piece up of, it, we inevitably get to confidence. And that's one of the things that's holding them back from being that is they're potentially thinking, am I not showing confidence, which I say it's the opposite of it. So just something to think about everybody out there. Now, here's one. Generosity. Being generous is very charismatic. I don't think anyone listening will disagree with that. I believe when we start to not smile, when we start not to be generous, it's using this situation. When the heat gets turned up, when life gets hard, when life gets stressful, when people start to maybe challenge us at work, uh, performance isn't there potentially. 
things aren't getting done, we sometimes can then stop smiling. Our generosity goes down. And I'm going to bring up, uh, you. we listen to his podcast. We've read many of his books. Uh, and that is Adam Grant. Uh, the last one I read of his was Think Again. And he's an organizational psychologist, author, professor at Warren School of Business. And Adam Grant talks about three types of people under this generosity piece. But the taker, I think we know what that looks like. People in our world who are just me, 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 they take, take, take. Then there is what he calls the matcher. And I think I'm a matcher. And those are the people where we give, but at some point we go, where's the reciprocation? I'm the one giving. And then the third, which is the rarest that he articulates, which is the giver. They give, give, give. My Susan's kind of like that. My wife, she's a give, give, giver. Uh, so she, he talks about them, those three areas. So as being charismatic, generosity can be very charismatic to people. I would say in being fairness, trying to evaluate myself, I would be a matcher, I believe, if I was being honest and correct, where I will give, but then at some point my brain starts to say, hey, wait a minute. This is becoming one-sided. I'm not getting reciprocation. And that leads into the DISC profile, which you and I, which that's the personality assessments that you and I believe in such. I'm a driver and an influencer. So my driver, which I need to be respected, starts to come to my brain like, hey, wait a minute. I'm sort of kind of being disrespected a little bit. I'm giving, giving, and nothing's coming back. So I gave a lot there, bud. Anything you would like to comment there? Yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of this in, in organizational development, you know, and, and give or take or matcher is a, is a nice way. You know, I've also heard it as, you know, sort of the user creating suckers, right? So the taker who's constantly taking from others in the organization um, creates suckers because at some points, like you say, you know, the matchers or the givers um, eventually feel that they've they're being taken advantage of uh, and they feel like they've become suckers and it creates disharmony, disenfranchisement, disengagement with an organization. And those people end up leaving or they then become takers uh, and say, you know, I'm going to get mine. Um, and so then all of a sudden you have an uh, organization and we dealt with this in the operating room when I was running the operating room. Right. And what you're really trying to do is create that um we try to create this environment of how can we help you, right? And we got, you know, all the people worked in the OR, how can we help you? That's the first thing we want them to say, sort of, we wanted them to all be givers. Um, but really what we were trying to do is get the, try to work out the takers, right? Mm -hmm. Who were always looking, you know, how do they get the easier case? How do they get out earlier? How do they get to deal with the nicer surgeon? How, you know, so how they're always manipulating. And I see that in our department too. We have a handful of people that are always looking at the schedule, trying to say is like, you know, here's a, here's a series of work that we as a group need to get done. Some of it is better, easier, nicer than others. And you try to match people with where their strengths and weaknesses right. are, what have you. But at some point, somebody's got to do some of the harder work and try to share that where the takers will avoid that and the givers will you know, at some point get tired of always being the ones doing the heavy lifting. Um, it, it's yes. a real 
the real big deal for, I can't imagine, I mean, I think for every line of work and for all leaders is how you manage that. Yes, yes. So just a reminder to everybody out there, there's a very attractive quality is that generosity piece. Accountability, taking ownership is a very charismatic quality and trait, even if it's not necessarily all your, I don't want to say fault, but responsibility, but just accepting accountability for it is very charismatic. Nobody wants excuses, reasons, why things. People really respect that piece of it. Well, especially at the top, um, you know, we, I see this in, in my line of work. You know, I supervise medically direct is the correct term for my residents and CRNAs. And so if they make a mistake or, uh, or something isn't quite perfect in that, <clears throat> really, it's my direction of them that has fallen short because they're they're at their learning stage and and it's in or with the nurses at their training stage and that's why I'm there and so I didn't do a great I didn't do a good enough job of helping them mitigate that or being present enough or being available enough so that they could ask a question or do something um, to uh, prevent that from happening. Let's go. Um, you know, let's go full circle on that, bud. This goes back to the first point we brought up today: assertiveness and confidence. When right. you're confident, you're more apt to be accountable because you're more apt to say, "Hey, I, I was a miss on this. I was right. wrong on this." Whatever right. words you use, and people that are confident are are usually pretty good at that, and. That's just another attractive quality. Before we move on to the alter ego, bud, let's touch on this. So we just listed off, oh boy, about 10 strategies, ideas, tips to be charismatic. Maybe everybody could just grab one or two that might help them on their journey for connection with others to help to effectively communicate. The watch out being overly charismatic can be harmful to personal and professional communication as well, is if we come across too confident, too appreciative, too thankful, our body language, we're all over the place. It can actually be counterproductive to be charismatic. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I've been more and more fascinated by the paradoxes of life and you know, that Harvard Business Review article that talks about this, uh, a couple of those writers um, were people that work with the Hogan personality assessment, which is a little bit more involved. I've taken that a little bit more involved than some of the other ones we've suggested, just because it does require a lot more interpretation. But Hogan talks about that as the overused strength, how it can end up being a weakness uh, and can undermine you. And, and their description here of the charismatic is, you know, the guy who comes in, the back slapper, hey, we love you, and everybody, ah, and the crowd loves them. And, 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 and it gets to a point where with many people in the crowd, they start to lose credibility because they're, they almost appear as superficial, like they're not knowledge content experts, right? They're just politicians, maybe. Um, maybe they don't have those listening skills or that generosity or that humility or their empathy, or they cross the line from confident to, to cocky, uh, you know, or from charismatic, like we've talked about, to narcissist. 
Uh, and, you know, um, you know, a lot of people think like that the outgoing personality or the extrovert is the more charismatic or the, the more successful leaders and all. And the studies have shown that that's actually not the case. It's those introverts that actually have the greater long term uh, um, <clears throat> success in running businesses, corporations, um, uh, you know, Apple, Job's very extrovert. Uh, Cook now much more of an introvert uh, and has been wildly successful. Uh, you know, Lee Iacocca got great praise for how he saved Chrysler. Um, but two years after he left, the company was in worse shape than before he started, in large part because of many things he could do because, of, you know, it was a cult of personality that was driving the corporation instead of meaningful, sustainable uh, reliable changes in culture that he had installed uh, in there because in many ways he couldn't get out of his own way because it was all about him. Sure. And, and the charismatic person, overly charismatic, can sort of do that. And many people can sense that and feel that fairly quickly uh, and it can undermine their ability. So I think that's what they were talking about on that on that front. To finish this topic, but two things that I want to communicate, and I love what you said and love that you brought up extroverted and introverted people. Both can be extremely charismatic. And a lot of times the average person doesn't, and when I say average, I don't mean that in a disrespect way. People out there would say, oh, the extroverted, they're charismatic. No, what I would say, they do it differently. The introverted could be highly empathetic humble, a really good sense of humor, generous, excellent emotional intelligence. They reciprocate and give appreciation. Those are all strategies of that. They just might be missing that smile, potentially. They might be missing that piece where there's an opportunity for them to jump in a little bit quicker in a conversation that could add a lot of value and support and help them on that effective communication and to help the other person. Conversely, those extroverted people, they might have a time where, you know what, bud, I want you to go first. So you and I, if we're in a crowd together, I might be the one by nature that would be more comfortable jumping in first between you and I. As me as an extrovert, not that you're introverted, but you're a little bit more introverted than I am. I'm definitely an introvert. I mean, I'm not yeah. a introvert, well, but I'm an introvert. Yeah, but I might, what I will do, and a lot of time I do this when you and I are talking, I'll immediately go into, hey, bud, I want your perspective right away. And I get you involved in that conversation immediately because I want to hear you. I want you to go first. So as an extrovert, I can pull you into it and get you going and get you comfortable and have you talk first. But as an extrovert, I've got to I've got to be thinking of that. So it's just a tip for everyone out there. Wherever you're at, you're amazing the way you are. These are just a tip or two that you might be able to add to your mindset when you're communicating with others. So I just thought I would share that as we move on. Right. And and that's why I love this definition or the things we've talked about of charisma, because most, I should say, many times people think of charismatic as that life of the party. Yeah, right? The no. guy in and, you know, is telling jokes and stories and everybody loves them. That is, 
that can be charisma. But, you know, you talk here, knowledge served up the right way can be very charismatic. And introverted people can serve up knowledge in the right way that makes them incredibly charismatic. Right. And an a extrovert who maybe isn't that knowledgeable and superficial doesn't have the knowledge to serve up. It can undermine them. So so I, I think those are important points. And I think we did a line across, drew a line in down the middle. I think what we're saying, if you're too far right, being extroverted, probably a problem. And if you're too far left as an introvert, probably not maximizing your opportunity to effectively communicate either. Somewhere in that middle piece Absolutely. is probably where you want to be because you have to be if you want to listen, be empathetic. You can't be empathetic if you're talking the whole time. Right. You can't listen if you're talking the whole time and being the center of the party. Uh, generosity, uh, again, you can't be. But conversely, on the other end, if you're not communicating, if you're not smiling once in a while as an introvert, you're probably not giving that energy or that positive vibe, attentiveness that the other person needs from you. So I think that's a piece of it. Those are great points. I heard a, I heard somebody from Pixar recently talking about Job's, and I want that's tied back to the, <clears throat> and he talked about when Job's got let go of Apple um, in 86, 88, I can't remember, early 90s, uh, how that was the best thing that happened to Job's as far as his development as a leader, because the the person was intimately involved and knew of how Job's behaved. And it, right, you know, classic. I mean, the stories out there about him, right, are being over the top and and is like he they had to let him go, even mm -hmm. though they, many did know how important he was and vital to the organization. But he couldn't stay anymore because, he, again, he was he had gone to a point where he was destructive. Uh, and he had to go. And he did a lot of thinking about that. And it was incredibly painful for him. So when the company struggled without him and they needed to call him back, he came back a much better leader because of how he grew in many of these areas like generosity, listening skills. Um, I'm not sure, you know, uh, uh, about empathy. And he became a, he was a much better leader because of how he grew in that point when he had to be let go because of his behavior. So he took them to a place, created them, obviously, had to be let go because it was now becoming destructive of, of the company and the organization, and then brought him back and took the company even further and actually laid the groundwork and the foundation for who they are today, right? I think they're the highest market share company in the history of the world. Yeah, it's amazing. And I'm really... And that's a great example, but I'm going to leave everyone on this before we, as we go into the next topic, uh, as a tip. For those of you out there that um, are really positive, optimistic, just remember if you're in a leadership role or a parent, what, whatever it is, and you're a coach, we can separate the person, who that person you're communicating with is versus the action of what they did or didn't do. So it, we can be positive, optimistic, but that person across from us, this isn't personal, the feedback we're giving you. This is the action of what you did or didn't do that we're giving you constructive criticism on. But you're great. 
here's what I heard and saw. Here's where there might be an opportunity to be even better. Sometimes people that are overly pessimistic or excuse me, positive and optimistic, there's sometimes challenge to give that good, real world, authentic, true, constructive criticism and feedback. You're not you're not chastising the person. What you're doing is trying to help that person. So don't forget that out there for those of you who are in a leadership role and you're really positive. You owe it to them to give them the real authentic advice. Heck, at Pygon One, I've got I've got four people in my inner circle. They're my board of directors that we talk on a weekly basis. And it's not personal, but every week they're telling me, hey, here's what I see. Here's what you got to do. Here's what you're missing. And you're one of them, bud. It's been invaluable. You guys aren't coming at me as a person. You're trying to help the business of making the Pygon One Consulting Empire grow. It's not me you're going after. It's you're trying to help. And it's invaluable. It's been amazing the last over a year what you guys have given me. Yeah, I want to, <clears throat> well, thank you. I, I do think that's important. I do want to make one point, too, we talked about as far as leaders understanding that the buck really does stop with them. I can tell you, I do encounter some people who don't really believe that or embrace that. And they're very happy to throw people under the bus. And in and it's, it's a little different in what I do because we're sort of leaders in these little isolated pods in the operating mm -hmm. room with people. But I have had some faculty that I've had to talk to when they were complaining about the resident or the nurse that they were medically directing that they didn't really understand that everything that happens is their responsibility and the work that they need to do to make sure it goes the way they want to go may be more involved and require different skills or communication from them than that they're used to giving this sort of sense that it'll just happen. And when it doesn't, it's because of the resident as opposed to them setting up the resident or the nurse for success. Right. And part of it was like, you could see the light bulb going out. And frankly, I get from some of them still resistance. Well, that's not really true. Like kind of attitude. I'm like, well, you're going to get into trouble. Yes. They actually how it goes. And you can see that with leaders too, who are quick to throw other people under the bus. <clears throat> yes. As opposed to, taking a real ownership management style of intervening and saying, hey, knowing what's going on and saying, this is what we need to do. And here's, and I'm not going to tell you how to do it, but this is what I need you to do. And then if it's not going that way of actually intervening and understanding, if it doesn't go the way I want it to go as a leader, in part, it may be my leadership management skill and style. Absolutely. Well, but that was a great, I thought it was very, very, very effective conversation on charisma, being charismatic, some really nice ideas. I know it's great. So whenever you and I do this and we do our homework and research, it is fascinating because we just get better on this stuff because it reminds us. So I, I love that we jumped into this one. Now, uh, the alter ego. You want to define that for everybody or should I take care of that one? I'm going to let you take care of that one. All right, alter ego. This one is I want everyone to think about this is do you have one or don't you? And if either offense that you're on is totally, totally fine. We just want to get you to think maybe it might help. Maybe it won't, but we'll throw that out here. So alter, alter ego is a secondary 
or alternative personality. I'll say that again. It's a secondary or alternative personality and alter ego. It's a separate identity from who we are. I will give you an example of this in doing some research on this. Uh, there's articles out there. You'll find if you pull alter ego up, they'll call it the Batman effect. People that go and they transform themselves and think as if they're Batman. And by the way, um, my brother smiling on this one is, I love Batman. Um, I've got a Batman coffee mug. I've got a Batman, not poster, but a picture in my room. I'm a huge Batman fan. And sometimes I'll be like, all right, how would Batman handle this? Calm, mentally tough. He'd be very strategic. And an alter ego is taking ourselves to another place outside our own normal personality. One of the things that I read on this one, Bud, that I, I didn't, I had no idea, learned this one, was Beyonce, the entertainer, she, in her early stages of her career, by nature was very shy and timid. In an interview that she did with Oprah in 2008, she talked and told Oprah that she goes to her alter ego when she went on stage. And she called herself Sasha Fierce. Did I tell you about this one? I don't even remember if I did. With uh, Beyonce. No. Okay. So she calls herself Sasha Fierce. And that would get her to a mindset and it helped her to be assertive, confident, empowering. And I was like, this is Beyonce, who's one of the most famous, um, whether you like her or dislike her music, she's an out-of-this-world performer. And she would go to this alter ego to get her mindset in the right place to be that engaging, confident, insertive, amazing performer on stage. Now, I also did read around 2010, she got to a point where she didn't really need that anymore. Interesting, as I read on, Adele talked in an article in 2011 in Rolling Stone, she adopted an alter ego to help her in her journey that she called herself Sasha Carter. So I thought that was funny. And there's been more research coming out there that real psychologists are saying there's benefits of this alter ego strategy to help you get within out of your own normal identity and going to another place. And I don't know if this is exactly an alter ego or not, but I got to tell you, bud, I know I've said this on the podcast many times when I was researching to write the book, Win the 16 Principles and Strategies to Optimize Your Day. Mark Twain said, you become who you write. And it is interesting when I'm going through tough challenges with either work or maybe it's I'm in the pool swimming or a workout, I say to myself, you're the win the 16 guy. You can't slow down. You can't stop. you got to keep going. I don't know if that's exactly the alter ego, that Batman effect, but it does help me get through that of, hey, you got to push forward. You're out there leading people, coaching people, consulting people about how to move forward. You're the win the 16 guy. you got to keep going. And for me, that self-positive talk, that mental toughness aspect that's coming out, it helps me. I gave you a lot. You want to pitch in there? 
Bada, anything on that and communicate to everyone your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. And, you know, it ties into some of the things that we've talked about earlier about even um, on, a, on, a, on a different scale. But, you know, writing down your goals help you achieve them because there's something powerful about putting it in words. It makes it harder to walk away from. Um, I find that true with, you know, my day-to-day activities. I write down what I have to do that day. It helps me focus and concentrate, and then I go through the list. Um, it reminds me of when I was much younger. I used to do this at work, uh, and I'm dating myself here, but there was a movie in the 70s about the choreographer Bob Fosse called All That Jazz. And uh, one of the famous scenes in that is, you know, Fosse was a partier out all night, and and, you know, and he was struggling and, and had drug addictions. And, and then all of a sudden he would splash water on his face before he went to work or on stage. And, and, and he would splash the water and go, because it's showtime, right? And, and it was this transformation that would occur from this guy who you know, was hungover, strung out, couldn't get out of bed to this high energy, remarkable performer, uh, choreographer, director, right? And, and I view it kind of a little bit like that, right? And I would say that sometimes when I was walking into the OR in the mornings, right, when I was like, okay, it's showtime. Like, it is time to perform. It's time to be my best. Uh, so you kind of got to pull myself together and get it done. Uh, and so I think it's along those types of lines. So I think there's a ton to it. Uh, and I think, you know, I love the fact that Twain was talking about this you know, 160 years ago. So that sort of lends, I think, some credibility to this is a sort of nothing new, lifelong. It's been around forever, but there's some real true validity to it uh, and what it takes you. Fascinating to hear, you know, you think of Beyonce now. I mean, who could be a who's a bigger star and a more powerful personality on stage? right? A remarkable performer. And to know that she suffered through some sort of insecurities about that and a little bit more introverted and needed a little something extra to get out in front of the thousands of people to perform and entertain, to make herself vulnerable, right? To put herself out there, right? The courage that it takes to do that isn't something that we all possessed 100% of the time and that it took her this little sort of psychological crutch sometimes to get through that and do it. Uh, And then over time, you don't need it because it becomes more and more of who you are. And I find I don't do that anymore either with all, you know, it's showtime. Um, But I remember doing that quite commonly when I was doing more complicated things in the operating room when I was younger. You brought up a couple things there, Bud. You mentioned one thing that I jumped, jumped out. And I was, here's the challenge with active listening, Bud. You said performing. So I wrote it down as you were talking because I wanted to go back to it. So was I not actively listening there? By definition, I wasn't. But I was afraid if I don't write that down, I forget it. Totally. Because you had so much good stuff. I want to go back to it. So what we're saying is for all of you out here, here's we're going back to our, our friend Carol Dweck, the psychologist from Stanford and the growth mindset. Many of people out there will say things like, I am not a good public speaker. That is a fixed mindset. A growth mindset person would add yet to that statement. They would say, I am not a good public speaker yet. They would put yet on any of these things that they're not good at. What I want people to think about is with this alter ego, we always like to leave people with tips. 
when we go on this alternative ego and Batman is my favorite character by far. I always say that I'm Batman, Bruce Wayne. I'm not running around with a cape. What I am thinking gets to my mindset. It gets me to think about Batman's characteristics and traits. Mental toughness, discipline. He doesn't get over emotional. He's strategic. He doesn't really have a superpower in terms of, you know, he can't fly. He uses his intelligence, all these other things to be successful. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about wearing a cape. Beyonce, and I'm glad you brought her up again, to think that she was timid and shy. And that reminds me of a story that, um, a situation I was just in this summer. I was giving a talk in the place that I was speaking. Dave Wanstead was going to speak before me. I was going to be the next uh, motivational speaker, public speaker, whatever you want to call us. And they said to me, hey, would you like to sit in and hear Coach Dave Wanstead, who is used to be a, the Chicago Bears head football coach. He's on. A, he's got his own TV show, radio show. He's all over the um, media world. And I said to them, I said, I would love to hear Coach speak. I'm sure he's great. I heard he's a nice man, too. And as you and I, sports guys, we'd be very interested in his message. But I said very respectfully, no, thank you. And that's because, Bud, I don't know if I was going to an alter ego, but I have a little routine that I normally do right before I talk. It is not only reading, going over my notes, making sure I hit my mark, but it's also mentally. I've got my getting my mindset into that poor performer mindset. I also take deep breaths for a while and I breathe. And I stole that from Tony Robbins. So I'm going into a little bit of an alter ego there getting ready. Does that make sense? Did I say that right? Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. that's very helpful and empowering. So what we're saying here today, everybody, is these alter egos might get you to a place of being confident in a situation maybe you're not as confident. A visualization piece, seeing success, seeing how you need to perform at that moment. And this could be everybody for some tough one-on-one -on -one conversations with your family members or at work, picturing somebody else, how they might deliver this, or they might receive a conversation might help you. This whole self-talk, it's in the Win the 16 book. We talk about it all the time, that positive self-talk can only help. So, but as always, our time together flies by. We were able to really touch on a lot of things on charisma, as well as give everyone a little splash and dash on this alter ego. Anything you want to say, Bud, before we sign off today? Well, I'm glad we did the tied the two together because for people who don't feel charismatic, um, we gave them a bunch of things that I think are non-traditional views of charisma, but also then a little bit of a way to, you know, maybe you put yourself into that alter ego state uh, when you have to get out there um, <clears throat> and be in front of people who are charismatic, especially for the introverts, of how you can do that. Um, so I think that's great. I am looking forward to going to some of, and it's so interesting. My inner circle, they're all critical thinkers. They're all C's on the disc profile, bud. That's their dominant personality. I'm looking forward to going to all of them and asking them 
when they listen to the podcast, do they see how they're charismatic more than they probably think they are? It's going to be interesting to hear what they have to say that we went over them today uh, because they tilt towards the introverted. And that's why they're so beneficial to me and being part of my board of directors. Everyone, thank you so much for listening to Win the 16. We hope the charisma tips, confidence, body language, reciprocating appreciation, uh, focusing on emotional intelligence, embracing vulnerability, listening skills, empathy, humble, sense of humor, being generous, accountable, can all help us all being even more charismatic without being too charismatic. And then also we went into that Batman effect of alter ego. Uh, maybe that can help in some of those tough situations that everybody faces in their day-to-day journey of life. As always, if you'd like to reach Bud and I, please reach out to us on pygon1.com, P-Y-G-O-N-O-N-E.com. Questions, comments, maybe there's a topic you'd like us to talk about. Uh, we'd love to take your feedback, as well as if you want to reach out to pygon1.com for the consulting and motivational talks we do. So everybody, thank you so much for listening. We look forward to our next podcast with you. Thank you. And as always, Win the 16. Thank you for listening to the Win the 16 podcast presented by Pygon One. Please follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Episodes will be released every other Wednesday at 7 a.m. Central Time. Thank you and go win the 16.